Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Three women, one podcast, and a whole load of badass. I'm Harriet Minter, and this week on the podcast is Natalie Campbell. No Emma Sexton, she's away. So instead, we're lucky enough to have the very fabulous June Subhong. We're going to be talking super drug Botox, and we speak to Lauren Arms about what it's like to be diagnosed with breast cancer at just 31. First up, of course, it is our news stories of the week. We're kicking off with housing. Nat, tell us about this. I was scouring the news and I saw a headline that said, no fault evictions making hundreds of families homeless each week. And the crux of the story is, is that private landlords, uh, in a bid to maximise how much money they're getting for their property, are using certain clauses to get families, individuals out of their property so they can raise the rent. And it's, it means that families are being kicked out on the streets. Um, it means that people who thought that they were living somewhere and, and were secure without you know without warning are being told either that they need to pay an increased amount of rent or they need to find somewhere else and if you've got kids in school if you you know have found somewhere that's close to your work it can turn your life upside down almost overnight all right so i have personal experience with this my family have privately rented since i was a young teenager Mm. and at one point we had an annual call where it'd be like okay the rent's going up and we need to move again and that would be it we'd start ringing around all the estate agents and inevitably each time you move you end up somewhere smaller Mm -hmm. and with a slightly worse standard Mm -hmm. and it just goes on and on june what do you think needs to happen well you know the thing is harriet the thing that really concerns me is and the government figures came out recently in terms of how many houses have been built, social housing. Mm -hmm. Um, Last year, it was only 6,000, and it looks like it's going to be the same number, which is the lowest number since records began. Um, And it's shocking when we're in the middle of a housing crisis and we are having the least number, the lowest number of houses built ever makes no sense whatsoever. And I think that actually what needs to happen is people actually need to start putting pressure on the government to start building affordable social housing. I think that's the only way. There's a lot of um, land, and I know that there's a a lot of argument in terms of how much of the Greenbelt can be used, but Mm -hmm. there are parts of the Greenbelt that can be used and you can still preserve uh, the landscape. And I think we have to be honest. You know, there is a generation of young people who will never be able to afford to buy their own home. And that makes no sense at all. So uh, I consider myself young, but I'm at the older no, end of young. No, you're young. Thing. Still young. <laughs> no, you're still and young. I, I can't afford to buy a house where mm-hmm. I've lived my whole life. So I, I, I live in... I've, 
my family home is in northwest london i cannot afford to buy anything in northwest london the cheapest one beds are going for between half a million pounds in fact studio flats was, yeah. were on sale for half a million pounds down the road but what is even more frightening about that Nat, is imagine you are a upwardly mobile yeah. educated middle-class woman yeah. with a decent paying job yeah. and if you can't afford to buy a house can you imagine for somebody else who is on who's doing menial work and on a low income yeah. it's, it's just it's wrong hard. and just to say the actual um, issue here is the section it's section 21 it's a uh, legislation called section 21 um, and this is what people are being issued with to, to leave their homes. So we're going to talk to the organisation that produced this report, um, Generation Rent. Hannah Slater, who is the Policy and Public Affairs Manager there, is on the phone now. Hi, Hannah. Hi. So can um, you tell us from the report, what do you think are the key aspects that you found the most shocking? Um, so we now know that one in five homelessness cases are due to Section 21 no fault evictions. I think that's pretty shocking. Mm. Um, and last year, 11,000 people, that's over 200 households per week, were made homeless because they were kicked out by their landlord despite having done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, under Section 21, as you just pointed out. Um, this is the bit of the Housing Act that allows mm. private landlords to kick out tenants without providing any reason or compensation. And so we're calling for this to be scrapped. Hannah, um, what would you say to people who say, well, it's their house, they've, cho- you know, they own it, they should be able to decide whether or not they want people to live there or not? Sure. Um, we we think that if you, you, we could change the law so that um, landlords can still um, get their property back uh, to sell or move back in. Um, but they should have to pay compensation to the tenant, say at three months' rent. Um, this would disincentivise them from selling, buying houses and selling houses to just make a quick book and um, incentivise them to sell to another landlord, perhaps, where so that the family can stay in their home. And it would also mean... Um, that it would just build the financial resilience of these families and tenants who are constantly moving because moving house is so expensive and and many yeah and stressful but many people end up homeless because they just don't have the cash to find and move into a new place so little compensation from the landlord and they would be able to afford that if they're selling would really really help these families Um, it's about fairness People should have the right to be secure in their home, to be able to stay in their home as long as they're doing everything right, paying the rent, looking after the property. But at the moment, the law waits the right of landlords to kick out tenants to make a quick book or because a tenant wants repairs doing. But the, the law sees that as more important Hannah, than can I the just... right of 11 million renters to stay in their homes. Hannah, quick question. So mm. do you think it will drive more buy-to-let landlords specifically to say, actually, I don't want to buy properties to and rent them to families? If that's a big issue, I'm actually going to buy these properties and I'm going to split them up and turn them into bedsits. Um, my family home um, in Wilsdon, the, all of the properties around them, around us, they've basically done that because it's too much. It's too, it's too much of a hassle to have families moving in. Uh, typically, we see a lot of signs in the in the estate agents on the high road saying yeah. no DSS or whatever the equivalent is nowadays. Yeah. Do you think people would just say, actually, I'm going to just you know do multiple bedsit type um, properties instead? Um, 
sorry, I should just clarify that anybody who's a private renter, whether you're a family, a single person, whether it's a house multiple occupancy, Section 21 means that they can all be kicked out. So it's not it's not going to make any difference mm-hmm. to how many family homes there are. What might happen is that, yes, some landlords decide that they don't want to be landlords anymore. But what would that, that would mean that more people, first-time buyers, are able to get onto the market. Or you get landlords in who are like really just happy to have people there long-term as long as they want. Okay. Um, um, finally, Anna, what do you think the government should be doing here? Do you think, as Jean said, it's about building more social housing? Is it about regulation? What do you think should be a priority for them? Absolutely. We need more social housing. Um, private renting is unaffordable. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are millions of people who are really, really struggling um, and who are trapped in private renting. Um, We need social housing to be able to provide affordable homes for these people. But we also need um, private renting to just be made better in the short term Mm -hmm. because this is where people are trapped. And so um, scrapping Section 21 um, and stopping landlords from kicking blameless tenants out every year, like you say, um, would be a massive improvement. Fabulous. That's Hannah Slater from uh, Generation Rent Public and Policy Affairs Manager. Thank you so much, Hannah. I would love to see some level of security for renters. Mm-hmm. I think it would change. Yeah. I think it would change families' lives. Yep. I, you know, I, I obviously feel it as a single person where you want to know that you don't have to move every year because you say it's expensive. But for families, it's so for important. For children, isn't it, it's terrible. Yeah. And yeah. just what it means for the schools. It's like what you were yeah. saying now. If you've got to keep changing schools, just think of what that does in terms of the instability and insecurity that it causes in the child. So yeah. I agree with you, I think. But for me, I think this is down to the government needing to build more social housing. Yeah. We wouldn't have this problem if there were enough social houses. Is it just social housing? Because the other thing I see when I drive through London all the time is empty flats. So many empty flats. If you drive through London at night, you'll see huge buildings with none of their lights on. Mm. What? But the problem about? problem is we live in a capitalist society. Yeah, and you can't. Not um, my love for you, And you can't. Do you remember when there was talk of confiscating privately owned? Yeah. You can't do that in a capitalist economy. You just can't. The, the level of instability it would cause. So there's nothing you can do about wealthy people buying apartments that they're not in. But what you can do is tax is them. Tax them. <laughs> and use that money, money to, to build exactly. for those who can't afford it. Exactly. exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's very socialist on this night. I'm enjoying it. Enjoying <laughs> <Yeah>. it a lot. <laughs> uh, so speaking of capitalism and people making huge amounts of money, did you know that the injectables and non-cosmetic, <laughs> oh, uh, non-surgical cosmetic procedures industry is worth 2.5 billion a year in this country alone in this country Ooh, 2.5 billion well harriet wanted to last week yeah that was her her ago, beautiful had... skin why would you do that and it's got called, great it's skin called bobby brown makeup <laughs> um, glowing it's so we had somebody in a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about i was talking about the fact one of my girlfriends had got botox she's the first of our kind of group we're of friends here. to get it in her forehead yeah and she looked so great with it that we all went, 
oh no this thing that we've always been really anti maybe it's really good and now Superdrug are cashing in on this and they are offering in your lunch hour Botox Nat would you do it so yes I would have Botox I just oh I'm not I'm not I'm not happy about the high street just offering it because I feel like a 15 year old girl is going to walk in off the street and say, actually, I want to look like Kylie Jenner and I need, you know, I need fillers. I need a chin or I frowned in class today and I've got wrinkles and it just means it's accessible. So if they're not putting in uh, an age restriction, and I think that restriction should be sort of 25. Again, it, well, in fact, you don't even need it if you're I think there is an age restriction. So I think they're going to say, I think it's mid-20s that they're going oh, for. But even that you just feels a little skin... bit like, well, either you want to do it or you don't. Yeah. What I, if, so I have uh, underarm Botox for sweating. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh. And so if, so um, medical Botox. Is that what they call it now? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Medical Botox. Medical well, anyone can say that. Oh, that's done. Medical Botox. Carry on. Yeah, the, the, the vanity here was that I was ruining, ruining lots of really nice shirts uh-huh. by sweating. And yeah. so I was like, I can't deal with this anymore. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's a boundary, but that could be prescribed by a doctor in the same way they prescribe zinc rollons and all of the other stuff. So I'm not cool about Superdrug offering it if there isn't a cap. But I, you know, if you want Botox, knock yourself out. June, do you think Superdrug, which is, as Nat said, it's frequented by young girls who want sparkly makeup, basically. Yeah, yeah. it's like the Claire's accessories of makeup. Exactly. Really. Absolutely. Do you think having it, having something like Botox, which even if they can't access it from age, it's suddenly just there in their face every time they go into it? You know mm. what? I don't want to be a prude, um, but what I'm much more interested in is is finding a way to change the narrative around women and aging. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm from, my parents are from Ghana, and in our culture, we value uh, women even more as they get older. And actually, Mm. the most valued member of of society is an older woman. So in our culture, you'll never find an older woman intimidated or nervous around a young girl, because as far as she's concerned, she's the pinnacle and I think that's what we need to do. We need to, and as women, we need to take that back. And when we're getting older, not be frightened of it, actually appreciate it and value it. And I'll be honest, it's not that I'm against Botox, but I haven't seen much of it that looks good. So your friend might be looking okay now because she's just had it done. But mm-hmm. actually, as that stuff goes on, they all start looking pretty weird. There aren't many people who you've had Botox and you think, oh my God, they look amazing. Let's be honest, most people who've had plastic surgery, you can tell and it doesn't look better. So I'm like, you know what, give give me the natural look. (laughs) So it says here that the procedure will not be available to anyone under 25 and it's called baby Botox because you can get these injections for only £99 and they're comparing it to microblading and lots of other things that have become a trend amongst sort of younger people Mm -hmm. to have the perfect eyebrows and Mm -hmm. if you've had a a hard week out partying will people just pop in and get a a bit of botox to make them look better (sighs) without addressing lots of other things that's my concern if you make something that accessible to, to really young people who haven't figured out life stuff then actually it becomes um it, it becomes a, a bit of a, a bit of a crutch. And ultimately, what we're saying is, aging is a bad thing. That's what yeah. we're saying. It Actually. is, but equally, if you are just having a bad week and maybe you've got a job interview coming up and you want to look really great, and 
She's like, I just need a little confidence boost. Botox doesn't do that. Some good foundation will. <laughs> Sleep. Yeah. Sleep Lipstick. Yeah. You know what I mean? There are lots of other things that do that. Botox isn't one of them. Brilliant. Would you pop in? Would you pop into a super drug? So a few weeks ago when we were discussing it, I was like, potentially I am, you know, convinced. Now, would I pop into a super drug? No, that's because I'm like, if I'm going to pay for anything, I always want the most expensive version of everything. Um, but actually, super, this super drug story has really changed my mind on whether or not I would have it done mm-hmm. and I wouldn't because I am angry really really angry about the number of men who profit off women's physical insecurities mm. yeah and, and women the number and women. of people and who, number of people. Profit, who yeah. profit over women's insecurities and I saw this great quote on Instagram which was every time you think there is something wrong about your physical appearance ask yourself who profits from this thought yeah because it's never you it is always someone else yeah yeah. Told you it's a socialist mm. show today. It is. Mm. And can I just say, your skin is awesome. Thanks, so darling. I wouldn't take the risk of doing something to mess up this good skin. <laughs> and just for clarity, you keep saying a few weeks ago, it was last week. <laughs> was it last week? Yeah, it, so last week you were like, should I have Botox? I've lost complete track of where I am. Don't need Botox, but I do need something for my memory. <laughs> now, if you have been paying attention to the news this week, you cannot have missed the sad passing of absolute legend that was aretha franklin we are going to be paying our respects to this beautiful woman So, Aretha Franklin, June, how did you feel when you heard? Oh, I was just so heartbroken. I mean, what a woman, what a talent, Mm. uh, but what a legacy. She really shows us what's possible when women tap into their power. Um, And the thing I loved most about her wasn't just her um, unmatched talent, but also was the fact that she was an activist and a a civil rights activist Mm -hmm. and really... Um, stood up for people, for, for, for people of color, for black people mm-hmm. at a time uh, when we were not considered equals and she put her money where her mouth was mm-hmm. and she funded a lot of the civil rights movement. Yeah. Um, and even when you look at and you listen to her lyrics, though they were pop and soul songs, actually they were also really powerful songs and the message behind them was about equality mm-hmm. um, and female empowerment. And I just think, wow, how lucky are we to have been able to witness that level of excellence in our lifetime? Yeah. I don't know if we'll see it again and I'm just grateful to have been able to see her and, and so on. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody who's hugely inspired by her is uh, American soul and jazz singer Carleen Anderson, She's on the phone to talk to us now about that. Hi, Colleen. Hi there. How are you? Good. Thank you. Good. Can you tell us the influence that Aretha had on soul? Well, like many um, across the planet and, and all soul singers, I, I can't imagine any one of them that have, hasn't been inspired or influenced and or influenced by what she brought to the table at a very, very, very young age, you know, long before... Um, many could have possibly thought about how to sing. She was already 
coming from her guts with this soul. Um, we have to bear in mind that Aretha had a very troubled life, mm-hmm. and a lot of that sound was reflected in, in what she delivered. And uh, the impact of that, we all, we all benefit from as, as singers, but as human beings, and as June was saying earlier about um, her as an activist, and as a woman who suffered a lot of abuse herself, she was still seeing that, which we still, in this time and age, have to confront those kind of things. It showed, it, it laid a path of how you must still fight for it, mm-hmm. even when it's continuing to happen. What I thought was um, so interesting about her is that she says, she says, I'm not political. I don't do politics. I'm not political. And yet her actions yeah. are she so political. Yeah. She lived yeah. it. Yeah. I think a lot of that comes from the fact of how it was um, interpreted in that time. Yeah. You know, um, some people would think in those, in those terms of um, political activists, they would mean I don't actually get out and hold a sign and protest. Mm-hmm. So they don't see that what it is they're doing actually has an impact. They just see what they're doing as something that they're supposed to do, especially women who were brought up in the church. Mm. They're, they're given an idea that this is your job. It's much like raising children. You're, you're supposed to encourage people. You're supposed to make them feel that they are empowered. And that's to them, is not a, a political act. It's a, a duty that you have as a woman to do. You know, so it's it's a conflict in that they just didn't interpret it that way. What do you think? Um, what do you think her legacy will be, both for music, but also for I guess how music and politics interact? I, for for many, but me in particular, I, I would say her legacy is that of um, as the conflicts that I spoke to of before is that women will for the foreseeable future, have these kind of conflicts where they are strong and mm-hmm. they exhibit what it is that they want to do in their actions but still feel or still um, suffer in silence as she did. But you continue on. You continue to deliver that in whatever it is you do, be you a singer or um, a bus driver, whatever it is that you do. And I think she embodies that and leaves that legacy of carrying on regardless. Colleen, what is your favorite Aretha Franklin song? Well, it's hard for me to choose one because, as you imagine, throughout all of this time, all of these songs have become so, all of them are great for me. But a single story stands out for me because my son, who is now 39 years old, (laughs) when he was from a very young age, from maybe four or five years old, he would dedicate this song to, of hers to me and just random, oh, oh Mom, I love you. This is for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> in his four- or five-year-old voice. But even as a teenager, he would call and leave a message on my um, phone and just play this song on the phone message. Aww. And it would say a little prayer for you. Aww. I love that. June, do you have a favorite? <laughs> I do. I, I have many uh, favorite uh, uh, Aretha songs. Rock Steady, but one of my favorite songs ever uh, is apparently nothing, Carlene. So I'm so excited <laughs> to have you on the line. Oh, I had to. <laughs> 
<laughs> she was singing it earlier. I so was it, when I heard you were going to be out there. Obviously, I don't sing it as well as you do. Uh, and one of my favourite voices is actually yours. I think you had, you've got such an amazing uh, voice. It's so unique. That. Oh, Colleen, thank you so much for joining thank us. You. I really thank you guys for thank having you. me. Bye. Now, how, how has it affected you? Well, I, I was looking through her back catalogue and I, there are lots of songs that you can sing the chorus to and you don't really take in what she's saying. But if so think. Oh my gosh, think. The words to think and when she calls out freedom. freedom yeah. yeah, It's been, you know, trivialised into, yeah. you know, period adverts. <laughs> but actually the words, when you look through it, what she's saying. Yeah. Natural woman. Oh, yeah. Respect. Respect. Ain't no way. Oh. Uh, a do right woman, a do right man. man. When, when she's literally saying, "I am a do right woman, woman, and I need a do right man. man." Let me tell you, when I find my man, I'm about to put all of these songs <laughs> in <laughs> on a playlist. I'm mean, like, just listen to this. That's all. This is how I need to be treated. It's, once you understand this, we're good to go. Because you know, she she didn't. Maybe she didn't necessarily find that relationship in her day-to-day life but she was singing about it and she was telling she everyone did. exactly she how she wanted to be treated romances she did. Yeah, yeah yeah don't was... worry about reefer she was <laughs> fine in that department <laughs> uh, even up until her 70s she was doing quite well <laughs> <laughs> we've actually got um a little box pop now from a fan just explaining really what they loved about her I remember the music of that time that she sang from my mom, my grandmother, so on and so forth. But if you fast forward to like the 80s, when I was of age, I was a teenager, early 20s. I'm listening to a whole different style of Aretha music, and I'm jamming to Freeway of Love, Pink Cadillac, Who's Who's We're we're jamming to those things. It's a whole generation later. So she got a whole generation of people like me who may not have known her from the 60s. And then you fast forward again to like the 90s and to the 2000s, she's still doing it. And I'm like, who does that? I love that. She was literally still gigging until the end of last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolute legend. Yeah. Um, the incredible Aretha Franklin. Just a you, total badass. You didn't say what your favourite song was. Yeah. Oh, it's Think. Oh. Always Think. Every time I hear Think. Think is my life. Think to do to me. Although I was having like a bit of an Aretha, you know, moment through the through the ages the other day and i heard and i hadn't heard it before um amazing grace her oh, rendition yeah. of amazing grace yeah, beautiful and it was like mm. i heard it for the first time yeah. mm-hmm. it was incredible yeah so. her voice is unmatched there'll never be a voice like that again no there's a reason why presidents have had her you know sing at their oh, inauguration yeah. was it obama that had her that where yeah, she sang amazing yeah, grace yeah, okay yeah. but did she do yeah. amazing grace at one of them i feel like no, I no she did the star spangled banner yeah. Oh, okay. She did both Clinton and his. Okay. But just just the what she brings to a song. Oh, so I think we yeah. we all know the words to Amazing Grace. Yeah. And you can think about lots of people singing about her rendition. Oh, it just changed it completely. Yeah. And the other thing yeah. as well, what people don't realize was she had an amazing sense of humor. She was yeah. a really witty, okay. sharp, quick yeah. woman. You know, she was. She really was the whole package. Yeah. She was. She was a natural woman. Oh. Yeah. Oh. See what I did there? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Beautifully done. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, Aretha Franklin. We will be missed. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Last year, I had a kind of adult moment when... I had my first friend who was diagnosed with cancer. 
And so I think generally as you kind of grow up it, you see it as relatives or friends of your parents. It's my first friend and I realised that it is not something that is just an age-related illness. Um, but I didn't really know how to handle it or what to do with it, just my first friend. So I'm very excited that in the studio right now we have a woman who is completely changing the face of cancer, the fabulous Lauren Mann, uh, founder of Girl vs. Cancer. Lauren, welcome. Hi, guys. Yay, thanks for having me on. Well excited to be here. Oh, thank you for coming in. Now, you obviously can't see Lauren because this is the radio, but if you could, you would see that she is wearing the most fantastic T-shirt with jubblies right across it. Yes, that's it. Jubblies, knockers, bangers, fun bags, whatever you call them. <laughs> Lauren, tell us about Girl vs. Cancer and how it came to be. Um, well, I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 31, oh which goodness. came as a shock, not just because of my age, but because I don't have tits. <laughs> I, I would not call them that. They're a goodwill gesture. <laughs> so I never thought I'd had to check my boobs. It was never a thing that I ever did, because why would I? Because mm. cancer happens to older people, right? Yeah. And other people, not mm. you or your family. Um, and I found a big lump in my breast in May of 2016. And I was sure it was hormonal. So I just was like, leave it for a month, see what happens, you know, because your body's changed. As women, Absolutely. our boobs change all the time. Mm -hmm. Lumps and bumps come, go. Um, and in the June, it was still there. And I I said to a friend, it was actually at Glastonbury in a tent, I went, have a feel of this. And she was like, yeah, that's a big lump. You need to get that checked. I was like, okay, I will. And I went to a walking clinic because I had just moved house, so I didn't have a doctor yet. Um, and I went in because I'm quite on top of things like that. And the guy said, which I wish they would stop saying in that order, is I'm not worried. <gasps> you are young, you're fit, you're healthy, you have no family history. However, you must get every lump checked. Now, I wish he'd have said, you need to get every lump checked. Mm. However, please don't worry too much because of these reasons. Because mm. okay. I think the minute he said, don't worry, I switched mm. off. Yep. And then I just went, and I went, well, can you not scan me here and now? And he's like, no, you must be referred by a doctor. So I was like, well, I can't do that for another four weeks. And off I went. It went to Tuscany at a wedding, had a lovely time. Boob actually was quite sore. Um, and the lump stayed there. And it was in August that my mum went, mate, like, can you please go and get that checked out now? So I did. And the doctor was wonderful. They registered me on the spot at the doctors when I told them the reason for me coming. They didn't let me leave. They were like, no, you stay here. That's We're incredible. registering you. Yeah, which isn't always a story. Mm. Um and then, yeah, so I saw the doctor. She was great. Again, said exactly the same thing. I'm not worried, but we're going to get you in because it's been there for three months. It's a big lump. Let's just, like, put this to bed. And within five days, I was in. I was scanned. And within two seconds, I was being told I was biopsied. Totally unprepared. Did not think that was going to happen. Terrified. I was on my own. I was meant to be going back to work. Yeah. And um, and they did the biopsy. And I knew when I left the hospital that I can't support that even told me because just the room, right. just the way it went. They know what they're doing. They see it all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, five days later, I was in with my mum and I was told that it was cancer and that it was stage three and it was an aggressive form of cancer um, and that they were going to have to do chemo in the whole hog. And I was like, you what now? I swore a lot. I'm very Danny Dyer in my ways at times. <laughs> and it, it, was, it was a massive shock. And I think it was a shock first and foremost because it doesn't happen to you. It happens to other people. Like, I've got a lot of family who've been through cancer. It happens to them, not you. Mm. Um, also, I was 31 in the prime of my life, running around town like a lunatic, not expecting anything like this to happen. I was healthy. I like exercise. I ate well. I mean, I partied a lot, but you know, it's you're young. yeah, I'm young. Oh, you're young. Yeah, yeah you're going to do that. And basically, I got told in within 10 minutes, like you've got cancer. But also, <sighs> do you want kids? And I'm like, pardon? 
I haven't had a text back in about a year. So I don't know, mate, <laughs> do I want kids? Um, because my cancer's hormonal and it means I'm now infertile. And I'd have to have my eggs frozen. I had no idea about this stuff. But it's fine. I've got nine eggs on so ice, babe. I've get, got my emblazing squad yeah, going. I'm ready to yeah. yeah. Did you, you got all of this information in the same In the window. same window. It was like the half an hour. And when that happens, you know the ride at like Alton Towers or whatever that you shoot up and then drops you? Yeah. That is the feeling. Mm. It is literally the bum's gone out mm. of your world and you're like, oh my gosh. Mm. Um, and that was all within like a half an hour space of time. And there were people outside waiting so there was more people that were going to get bad news. And I was just like, my God, this is, wow. is otherworldly actually. I was in shock. It takes about a good two weeks to actually accept that you're ill because you still look the same, you feel the same. Yeah. Yeah. You're still you. You've just got something and you're trying to kill you and you're kind of like, can we just get the show on the road? <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what happened. And then the whole reason Girl vs Cancer came around was because that all happened in a short space of time. I was told a lot of information I had no idea about mm. despite having nursed people in my family through cancer. Mm. And then I was went into a room and they hand you leaflets and they give you all this information to take home and every single woman on there was a good 30 years older than me and all the information inside was about how to tell your children and stuff like that and I'm like dude like I don't know if I'm gonna have kids I have not had any I'm mm. single like this doesn't feel relevant and there was nothing to tell me how to be a 30 year old with cancer mm. and with breast cancer with breast well. cancer yeah. as well yeah and it's like you know the challenges that we face in, I'd say, like your 30s, 40s, and like in your 20s as well, like your late 20s, are very different. Mm. You know, I was just forging myself in my career. I was just figuring out who I really was as a woman at 30. So to then have this slammed and it changes kind of your definition of you for a good year and a half or so. And for the rest of your life, you changed. So Girl vs. Cancer came around because there was that need, really. When you were in that appointment and they were kind of giving you all this information, were they also giving you a plan? Were they like, okay, so we're going to do this and this happens here? Or is it just like, so these are all your options, off you go? Um, it was a bit of a mix. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm in the room, they tell you you've got cancer, they tell you the type of cancer it is, and they, do, and they say, basically, we're going to give you, you're going to have MRIs now, you're going to have CT scans, you're going to have biopsies. I now know that's because they need to check if the cancer is spread, which is yeah. scary. Because people think getting told you have cancer is the worst thing. It's not. Getting told you have cancer, but how bad the cancer is, that's the scary yeah. part. So they're checking to see if basically you're about to pop your clogs. Um, the, the consultant at the time was wonderful with me. She was quite confident that it hadn't because it hadn't spread to the lymph nodes that they could see on the scan. So she was quite confident that, you know, I'm sure this won't have spread, but, you know, we have to double check these things and this is going to be your course of treatment like if this is what we think it is and for me it was um eight chemotherapies and then surgery i know a lot of women have surgery first mm -hmm. but they really wanted me to keep my breasts because i'm very petite and they're like if we yeah. take your boobs and have to rebuild them there's gonna be a lot of scarring on your body on like so i have to take muscle from your legs and your back oh so they wanted to give an option you know so that was what they did they said we can do chemo and we can do this um and but it's going to be a long period of time and when i cried because obviously i cried i said i don't want to yeah. die i am human i think everyone says the same thing um she literally shrugged and laughed she went you're not going to this is going to be inconvenient and that put me at ease yeah i was terrified yeah. of this of the treatment because chemo's rough but i was like oh i automatically thought cancer killed you no that's what i thought it did so yeah. what are the percentages of younger women that get breast cancer i couldn't tell you the percentage of younger women but i do know it's increased a lot right. one in eight women do get cancer and, and they become um, breast cancer and they're becoming younger and younger 
And I don't know if that's to do with anything like our contraception or something like that. I do think it must have a part to play, especially in the hormonal. Mm. So my cancer's hormonal. There's triple negative cancers too. Um, but the hormonal cancer, I'm like, well, why have I had a hormonal mutation? There must have been a surge or something. Um, so can you just explain... So. Uh, I learn yeah. a lot in, yeah. on this show. What is hormonal cancer? I've never heard of this yeah. before. Okay, so with breast cancer, there's different variations of... So I knew none of this when I got diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I just thought boob cancer was a boob cancer. Um, so there's receptors in your breast. So with um, but when you get diagnosed, you get tested for which, which your receptors are. So I'm going to pause you there and say we're going to come back to this okay. after the break because we want to get all the details and a really... I just really want all of our listeners to take this in because even if you're not a woman, if you are, if you've got your hands on a pair of breasts at any yeah. time, <laughs> consider this your duty to sometimes just check them yeah. out. Um, we are going to be hearing more from the fantastic Lauren about really her experience with breast cancer and how she is changing it for other women all around the country at the moment. Mm. It is incredible. The amazing girl breast cancer. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome back to Badass Women's Hour XL with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and this week, the fabulous June Subhong. Oh, we're having a lovely time. I don't think we ever want the Emma Sexton back, do we? Yeah. No. She left us and now we're, we're over her. Uh, um, we also are lucky enough to have in the studio with us Lauren Mann, founder of Girl vs. Cancer, telling us all about her experience with breast cancer at such a young age. Um, Lauren, before the break, we were talking about the difference between hormonal cancers mm. and other cancers. Yes. Tell us about that. So with a breast cancer, they check for receptors to see what's caused the cancer to kind of like mutate mm-hmm. and to grow. Um, and you can be tested for all three receptors and have none of those, which they call a triple negative breast cancer, which is quite difficult to treat because you can't have any targeted therapies or hormonal therapies because they don't know the cause of it. So that can be quite a difficult one. Then there's your um, hormone receptive. So they test for for estrogen and um, progesterone and see what that is. And I was quite high up the scale of that. So they knew right away that my cancer was hormone driven hence why I was I'm now infertile I have a medicine every month that puts my ovaries to sleep 
to stop any cancer that's in my body feeding off of my hormones. Right. So it could awesome. create more cancers elsewhere. Yeah, well, it, that's what it fed off of. It fed yeah. off. It's created Was that from, from estrogen. Too from much estrogen. estrogen. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's just mutated from it. So one of the receptors in my cancer was estrogen. So they're like, right, let's like block that receptor. So mm-hmm. if there is any little cancer living anywhere in my body, it's not going to get any food. Yeah. Um, and then the other receptor is a. Uh, a protein called HER2 which lives in the breast which apparently is one of the things that help your breast to grow which I think was a very cruel irony considering <laughs> mine are so small um, and mine tested positive for that as well so there's a drug called Herceptin which is fairly new I think it only came on the market for like on NHS five years ago mm. but it targets that and it blocks that protein so with a triple positive what mine is it, it's like I'm quite fortunate in that I have many options mm, to keep okay. this cancer at bay and to treat it quite effectively. Will you have to take these tablets forever? Five years. For five years. Five years. So I'm on tablets and an injection in the belly every month. Wow. Which is fun because I hate needles, but I have a numbing cream, so it's fine. How did that feel when they told you this is hormonal and it potentially means you're going to be infertile? To be honest, mm-hmm. I've never been a very maternal person. Yeah. I've always thought one day I will have children, but my wanting a family has always been with a person that I would want to have a family with. It's never yeah. been for the sake of having a child. Yeah, um, I've got a lot of friends with kids and they're my babies too. And I now have a beautiful little nephew called Griff and I think my sister's listening. Hi, Hayley. <laughs> and he, Hi, is, Hayley. he is the apple of my eye. He is literally, he was born a month after I got the all clear. So he mm. was growing as my cancer was going and I was there when he was born. It's wow. a very, very special thing. But that I didn't have that experience at that point of being told. Mm. So for me as well, I've got endometriosis. I've had a Bartholin cyst in, in my vagina. Wow. So all my lady parts have basically turned against me. <laughs> Which I think is quite cruel. I'm like, should I be born a man? It would be a much easier life. So I do this often. Go back to the cyst. A what cyst? A bartholin. What is that? So that's when you get the gland in your vagina that secretes, mm-hmm. becomes blocked and yeah. creates a cyst. So that was yeah. painful. So I've had a couple of those. Endometriosis, which is like a condition where the lining of the uterus yeah. like grows the outside, bleeds in. That can cause infertility yeah. as well. So in a way, I guess I'm kind of lucky because... I don't plan probably on me. Well, I don't think I'm going to meet someone for a, lot, a little while yet. And now I've got nine eggs on ice. And I may have never <laughs> been able to have kids anyway with all my problems. So you've got to take the wind, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I've got 31-year-old eggs. I'll be like 45, like, right now. I'm going. <laughs> can we talk about your fabulous T-shirt? You can. And, and So you created this brand basically while you were ill, didn't you? I did, yeah. So when I got diagnosed, I knew, like I said, that everything was kind of... Um, aimed at um, and what I say is a more advanced life stage I don't like saying old because what does old even mean Um, and I was like well none of my peers none of my girls would know that they need to be checking their boobs and I've got a very lovely friend um, Lucy who runs Never Fully Dressed which is a very like Mm -hmm. popular clothing range and she does the boob tees which have like boob like illustrated on Mm -hmm. them and I'm like why isn't there a version of those for breast cancer so I made them Um, and instead of it being drawings it's I'm a Londoner so I just use all slang words that we call our boobs. <laughs> so there's knockers, bangers, jubblies, fun bags, lady lumps. Um, and then I went on to do some illustration ones as well. So I've got ones with little fried eggs In on them. In case you didn't know what they were. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I've got little fried eggs, milk jugs and stuff like that. And, and basically it, what started off is I wanted to give 100% of the profits to charities. Um, but then I didn't get paid the full weight out of my... Um, job for the whole time I was off ill so then it became a lifeline for me to survive mm. while I was poorly sick so um, I give 25% of all t-shirts to the four charities that are really close to my heart that helped me through being ill 
Um, and they, yeah, they just seem to be. I think they're just quite fun. Mm, they're really cute. fun. Yeah. Emma wears her knockers t shirt. She loves with pride. it, doesn't she? She absolutely <laughs> she loves yeah. it. She yeah. loves her Where knockers. Where can one. people get these? Um, they could get them on my website. So it's girlversecancer.co.uk. So that's vs girlversecancer.co.uk. And there's loads of styles. And yeah, that, I've got to go all different sizes. Doesn't matter what size. A lot of people buy them as like presents and also for Hindus, mm-hmm. yeah. which I really Very love. Cool. Yeah, so you can get them all there. And then that site also has a lot of information, um, not just about breast cancer, but cancer in young adults. Mm. Um, You can find charities, you can find my story. Um, So hopefully it can be a bit of a signpost for people. What I loved when I first saw these t-shirts, it was on Instagram. Yeah. And it really felt like you had basically called in all your girlfriends and mm. been like, right, help me make this a success. Was yeah. that how it happened? Literally what happened. So I've worked in digital marketing my whole young adult life. Okay. <laughs> so you were in there. <laughs> yeah, I was in there. Like when I got sick, first thing I was like, I was like, oh, hashtag, what can I use? <laughs> God, that's cancer. Not taken. Great. It's mine. Um, and I just feel like getting ill, I know it sounds really weird, but I think it was meant to happen. Like mm-hmm. every single thing that I have learned in my career, the networking I've, and connections I've made, my expertise have all come now to do something really good, I meaningful, hope. Yeah. yeah, and meaningful. So for me, I've always worked digital marketing, so I know a lot of influencers. Yeah. I've done a lot of influencer marketing and quite a few of them I do call friends now. Um, so when I got ill, it was a massive shock for the whole influencer community in the UK, I think, and in London especially. So when I decided to do this, I said, girls, I want your help. And now it's basically like Band-Aid for bloggers. Uh, it's, I've just done a shoot and I've just shot 40 women. That's amazing. With like Melissa Hemsley and stuff in there. It's amazing. Been all in your t-shirts. All in t-shirts. Wow. And it's just... It's great. It's a really nice vibe. And it's just, you know, it's getting that awareness message out to the right audience. Do you think starting this this venture, this idea, helped you get through? It's Ooh. cathartic, yeah. 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 So as well as this, I also am on a podcast mm-hmm. called You, Me and the Big C with two other cancer patients. Yeah. Um, and we talked about this a lot. It's cathartic. We go in and we talk about different subject matter around having cancer or being a woman in cancer. Or, and, and it is cathartic. As much as it's hard because I can't really step away from my cancer, mm. yeah. I'm almost like, well, I don't want to shy away from it. It happened. It's part of my tapestry. Mm. And helping other people and raising awareness. Yeah, it does make me feel like it was worthwhile getting ill. Is Deborah on that? Deborah's on yeah. that. Yes, you've had Deborah on, yeah. haven't you? My dad. I'll talk about poo and Yes, <laughs> Bow Babe is the dream. So, like, yeah, so Rachel and Deb have, have become two very best friends of mine. And that was because we have been ill. Together. We wouldn't have found each other otherwise. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is really cathartic in a way, and and also it just makes yeah, just knowing that if another Lauren got diagnosed tomorrow, which they do every day, mm-hmm. that Lauren can find me, mm-hmm. and they'll find someone else, and someone else, and someone else, and there's a community there that I struggled to find before I got ill. Do you um, feel like a different person now? I say I'm still me at heart, but I've got a different head on me. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm still Lauren, still Loza. You're wiser. Yeah, I just, my perception shifted, yeah. you know, like the way I view life and, but in a really good way. Okay. So like, I feel everything so much deeply, so much deeper, like every, like a song will come on and I'm like, yes, love this. I'll be dancing around my room and I might get a bit emotional because I'm so happy in that moment. And I'm like, oh God, stoppy. But actually, no, that is what life is about. Yeah. We're told to shut down, aren't we? We're like conditioned to shut down and not show emotion, especially as women. It's seen mm. as a weakness I and mean, actually it's the most powerful tool we have. Yeah. So it's things like that. And priorities and what's important and just being nicer to myself. I was horrible to myself before. Mm. We all are, don't we? We all say things to each other in our heads that we shouldn't yeah. say. We were talking mm. about absolutely. Yeah. Why would you? How has it changed your relationship with your body? Ah, uh, it's a weird one. I had health anxiety before I got ill. 
So I was convinced I would die at a young age. I was get sick and die. I was convinced. Wow. And I got die and I, I got sick and I didn't die, so I win. <laughs> um, but it was a really weird place. I had a lot of like tragic circumstances around death at like the age of 16. Quite a few yeah. things happened very close together and it warped my view of my own mortality. Mm. So I was terrified of death and I always have been terrified of death. And I think what's happened is being ill has made me stop thinking about it so much and stop worrying about it so much because it's completely out of my control. Mm. So I obviously I do, I am anxious that my cancer will come back and it will kill me. I think anyone who's had cancer is scared of that. But rather than dwelling on it, I acknowledge it and I'm like, right, move on. What else have I got to do today? Because it's we waste so much energy worrying about mm. a future that is not promised. I used to worry about tomorrow all the time. I used to worry about my body, the way I looked, everything. And now I'm like, as long as I look in the mirror and I think I look okay, I don't care what anyone else thinks yeah. anymore. Mm. I wasted so much energy on that and I don't now. I don't. Did you have therapy? I did. Okay. I've had therapy before I was ill though as well. So for me, it quite felt quite a natural thing. Right. Um, and I, I will continue to have therapy because, you know, it's not just the cancer and dealing with mortality. It's also the menopause mm -hmm. and the fact that I am now going through a process that I shouldn't go through for another 20, 30 years. Wow. The fact oh, that I'm infertile. Wow. Yeah. So it brings on the menopause. I'm in full menopause, baby. I am. Wow. I, oh, hot Do you flashes? have hot flashes? Oh, babe. On on the hour, every hour I have flashes. <laughs> oh my goodness! And wow. it is it is intense because it's medically induced. It's not a gradual thing like you get naturally. Right. So it's quite tough. And like my bones ache. I wake up in the morning and my fingers are like like sore. Mm -hmm. yep. Like they my joints, everything aches. So yeah, in that respect, my body, my relation, my body is changing because I'm learning yeah. what my body wants again. My mm -hmm. hair even grew back different. Yeah. It's like someone put someone else's head on my shoulders. <laughs> so it's thick and luscious, isn't and it? And curly. It was not curly before. Oh. No. So this actually leads me on to something I wanted to ask you about. So I said last year, kind of, I had my first experience yeah. of a friend being diagnosed with cancer, with breast cancer. Yeah. Um, very similar, actually. Hormonal, breast cancer, mm -hmm. stage three. Uh, also very similar. The hair grew back curly. And yeah. she's just like, what is this? How do I manage it? <laughs> yes, yeah, same. Um, but I didn't know what to do so yeah. I remember when she told me I cried and then I was mm. like oh my gosh this is awful I'm crying you're the one with cancer what mm. am I doing here I didn't know the best way to support her and I mm. I think that's probably the case for lots of yeah. people when a friend tells them this what what would you have liked and what worked for you what I'm you very lucky I am I've like I've got a great support network around me my family are amazing they all took on different roles my sister was medical secretary my brother became my social secretary so he would field off <laughs> questions because when you're ill you get a yeah. lot of questions everyone wants to know how you are which is lovely yeah. all of a sudden everyone wants to see you for coffee and I'm like I can only have so many amount of coffee for <laughs> like juggling guys um but I think as a friend I think first of all is to just be like I'm there because everyone automatically wants to rush to your side. And I found that quite overwhelming because I was yeah. still processing a lot. I think just saying I'm here when you're ready and just checking in. If you're a close, close friend, it's little things. So one of my best friends, Rebecca, used to bring me round every chemo cycle, a massive vat of chicken broth. She used to make it and I used to put it into little containers and freeze it. So when I was too weak to cook or didn't feel like eating, I could put it in the microwave and I'd have a healthy, fresh meal mm, yeah. and things like that getting lifts to and from places it's those little things because you're you talk about it all the time and you don't always want to keep telling the same old story oh, yeah mm -hmm. you know and then people mean well and obviously everyone wants to know you're okay and it's probably why i probably did the blog so mm -hmm. early mm -hmm. um but i think just listening to what your friend needs and actually being like it's the little physical acts yeah. as well as the emotional um and and it, do you know what it's all right to be upset because yeah. It's not just the person that gets cancer. Everyone around them does too. 
you're allowed to be upset. It's like just don't stand in front of them crying because you chipped a nail. Do you know what I mean? Because they're going to be a bit like, mate, get a grip. That's the priority. Yeah, yeah, but you're allowed to be upset. One of my best friends, every time she came to my house, she'd cry when I opened the door because it's a shock. Yeah. And then I'd be like, you're over it now. You're done. All right, cool. Can we go upstairs? Make me a cup of tea. I mean, I'll go on. <laughs> and that was our relationship. And I think it's just communication. And don't be afraid. I think what upset me more was people are afraid mm. to talk to me. And then I felt really alienated and alone. Mm. And actually, like, I'm ill, but I'm still me. And mm. I'm going to come back to being me. So you can't. Yeah. Don't ignore me, I think was the main thing. Yeah. It's hard to ignore you when you also then <laughs> launch uh, a brand <laughs> and you've got yeah, people well, walking around know. London yeah. and the UK wearing t-shirts saying yeah. knockers and jubblies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Completely hard yeah. to ignore you. One of the things I wanted to ask you actually about having things like knockers and mm. jubblies on t-shirts, what is the reaction when you walk down the street? I think people double take some people i've had a couple of messages actually said i just find it really like um crass and i'm like well that's fine you have to buy them mm. but I, as a woman i could choose to call my breasts my knockers and i will wear a t-shirt that says them if in fact yeah. if i want to walk around topless i will although i'll probably get arrested <laughs> but um yeah the response has been good people ask a lot where they get them from my brother's actually been at festivals and seen someone in a t-shirt and gone running over like that's my yeah. sister mm. um i think People love them when they see the words, but when they know the meaning behind it, people really, really love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, they gravitate to it. Because I think we're so used to this, like, fast fashion, yeah. consumption, and actually to buy something that you love, but actually know it's gone to a good cause is... Mm -hmm. It's always a nice feeling. I I wear them with pride because obviously I still can't believe anyone else wants to wear something that came up in my mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the response has been good. People do, do, do generally love them. And I've got men that wear them as well. So loads of my male friends oh, will wear them as well. Yeah. Love that. They love them. And what's next for you? Oh, God, there's lots happening at the moment. Um, so... Girl vs. Cancer is going to be one officially in October. Wow. So, yeah. So, that's all Happy coming. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, I've got a fourth collection launching on the 1st of October. So, there'll be sweatshirts with the slogans and then also um, Poppy's um, designs that will be available. And they're really fun. And some tote bags as well to throw them in the mix. Love it. Um, also, the website's going to be updated. A lot more information. I'm hoping to do some events. Um, there's loads of collaborations coming up with Girl vs. Cancer with a with a big high street retailer which I'm very excited oh, about. Oh, fantastic. I was going to ask. It is exciting. Yeah, mm. and just, yeah, just in general, things are developing quite quickly. So, like, there's a lot happening with broadcasting. I'm talking a lot and it's exciting. I'm trying not to plan too much in the future. Yeah. I'm just trying to roll with it because yeah. um, it I still blows my mind that cancer made this happen in a way. Yeah. Well, actually, I made it happen because I made yeah. the best out of a bad yeah. situation. Yeah. But... To me, it's still quite weird. Like, in one point, I'm, like, recovering from cancer, and in the other, mm. I'm launching a business. So there's lots happening. So just stay tuned if you can. You can find me at Girl Best Cancer on Instagram. Yeah. And, yeah, it'd be great. Um, finally, for anyone who does find themselves in this situation, mm -hmm. if, you know, you said, uh, if there's another Lauren out there, mm -hmm. I want her to be able to find me. Um, what advice would you give them? I would say breathe and give yourself a minute to take this all in because it's a lot. And I, I was, it's a lot to take in at the start and it is overwhelming and it is a bereavement. You do grieve because your life has changed mm. and I'm not going to lie and say it will get back to normal. There is, you get back to a sense of normality, but it's a new normal. Mm. And I think my biggest advice for anyone going through cancer treatment or di early diagnosis or anything is one, to take it a day at a time because things change daily. You're, you change, you physically, mentally change daily. It's okay. One day at a time. Don't think about the future too far. You'll get there. And the second thing is just be kind to yourself. Don't force yourself. You shouldn't, there's no should 
if you don't feel like being present and talking to anyone and you need to look yourself in your house, do you, babe. If you can't eat anything else other than a McDonald's, eat your McDonald's, you know? Yeah. If you need to go out and run, if that's how it makes you feel better, do that. I think it's just being kind and and just taking it one step at a time because it is a lot. It is a lot to deal with. You've dealt with it incredibly. Thank yeah, you so much. inspiration. Yeah. Thank, Thank you so you. much for coming in. The fabulous Lauren Mons of Girl Vest Cancer. If people want to hear more from you, find the t-shirts, get in touch. Where should they be looking? They need to just go to girlvestcancer.co.uk or they can find me on Instagram at girlvestcancer or on my personal one at London. That's S-T-O-L-E, London. And I can be in here if they need me. I think... It would be the best thing I think that could happen would be to have you as an ear. Thing. Oh, that would be amazing. Thank you. Uh, oh, we'd love chatting to you, yeah, Lauren. Thank, thank you, you so much. You. <laughs> One, two, three, four. This has been Badass Women's Hour's best bits. Uh, if you liked it, please do rate, review, and subscribe us. We love that. Five stars. Um, or come chat to us on social media. You can find us at Badass Women's Hour HR, at Badass Women's Hour, or come talk to us individually. I'm at Harriet Minter. At Emma Sexton. And at Nat D. Campbell. And we'll be here again next week, same time, same place. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.